Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss what is sadly the high point of Charmed. And oh. second episode of season two is the high point of Charmed. Okay, this episode is widely considered to be the high point of Charmed, but I feel like it watches a little different in 2020 than it did in 1999, and so I'm sure we're going to touch on that a little bit. I mean, honestly, I might actually prefer the uh, season three finale, which does hit a lot of the same beats as this episode. I mean, I feel pretty certain that I'm going to find other episodes I like more than this episode. Yeah. But, like, thematically, it's it's probably the strongest uh, Charmed ever did. And building off the show's mythology and, you know. Yeah, so this episode is uh, episode two of season two, Morality Bites. You know, like, like that movie everyone definitely remembers with uh, the only person who was in it I can remember is Ben Stiller. And Winona Ryder. Uh, and Steve Zahn. Oh, God, Steve Zahn. Yeah, he's the gay character who's there to be the gay character. I forgot he existed. Not that he was in this movie, but that he existed. Yeah, I like Steve Zahn. He's great, but he's one of those guys that you forget about him when he's out of sight, and then he shows up, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's pretty reliable. Well, remember we were having that conversation about Sean William Scott yesterday? Uh Uh-huh. I feel like Steve Zahn is a guy who successfully pulled off what I said about Sean William Scott, where I'm like... I think this is a guy who could actually do really well in, like, uh, if, if he just got to be in indie movies and was, like, a legitimate actor in indie movies. I feel like Sean William Scott would actually be really good at that. Uh, in no small part because Steve Zahn is legitimately a good actor when he's called upon to be a good actor and not just, you know, the comic... The crap boyfriend. The fat boyfriend? Frat. Oh, frat. Okay, that makes more sense. Oh, he's, he's the, like, the best friend of the love interest in a rom-com. Right, the guy who's, like, kind of misogynistic, but not so misogynistic that you start to question the friend for hanging out with him. Oh, I was gonna say, he's the one who's, like, a little too misogynistic, so it makes the main character seem less misogynistic by comparison. Right, exactly, but not so much so that you're like, well, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah, although not all movies pull that off yeah they don't, they don't all quite hit that very that very small mark i mean do you remember the legitimate sex crime movie that was um how was that dane cook movie where he had like a magic penis or whatever good luck chuck was it good luck chuck it was jessica elba was in it it was isn't that the one where like every time the women have sex with him like that immediately after they have sex with him they meet their their true loves yeah yeah i think i think that might yeah i think you're right i think it was good luck chuck and it turned out later that they filmed a bunch of scenes with actresses that weren't in the movie and they were just so that they could have footage of a bunch of women taking their clothes off i had no idea yeah jessica alba had very negative things to say about that movie and they made his best friend legitimately a rapist so it seemed like well because you have to be more misogynistic than dang cook so you know yeah which damn of course he's married to like a 19 year old or something in real life so that whole thing's just you know writing on the wall there let's talk about morality bites morality bites which uh by the way to backtrack a whole bunch Reality Bites is a really weird movie to watch now because it's all about how awful it is to have steady employment and, like, not be in any kind of financial... It's a movie complaining about the end of history. I was just gonna say it's a movie about that. That's literally what I was going to say. Yes. Like, and it's weird because 
like they have Winona Ryder being all, oh, boo-hoo, my dad pays for my apartment, and I only have some sex with Skeet Ulrich, or that creepy guy who's like Skeet Ulrich adjacent. No, I'm pretty sure Skeet Ulrich. You sure it wasn't, um... What's his face? He was in stuff a whole bunch in the 90s, and then he kind of fell off the face of the planet. I feel like you're describing Skeet Ulrich. Well, no, he's uh, he's Jughead's dad in Riverdale. That's true, he is now Jughead's dad. I'm thinking about the guy who is in that uh, remake of that movie. Wait, you don't mean Ethan Hawke? Yes, I do mean Ethan Hawke. Oh, he's still someone. Is he? Yeah. I can't think of the last time he was in anything. But it, it's an interesting movie to watch because it's complaining about nothing i feel like gen x really lucked out because they kind of got to duck out of this whole generation wars thing which when you look at their media you're like oof really this is what you were complaining about although it's weird because steve zahn's character is the best part of the movie and he's barely in it but he's like oh you know his problem is that he's gay and his parents kicked him out and you know no one from his family is talking to him anymore and the writer's like yeah but like i have to talk to my dad sometimes because he pays my phone bill for me we're the same right you know she doesn't get that job because she can't define irony it's like you're an english major really i it's like rain on your wedding day well see that's why she couldn't do it that song hadn't come out yet Sorry, I, this is such a tangent. You're probably going to delete this from the podcast because it is such a tangent. Well, it depends on how good of a tangent it is. There's this commercial that used to air in, like, it was when I was in college, so it was in, like, the early 2000s, late 90s, for Cliff Notes. It was a commercial for Cliff Notes. God, that's weird. Uh-huh. And the commercial involved, like, a bookmobile, and then it, like, blew up, and the kids who were watching it went, whoa, irony. And then the Cliff Notes for... Fahrenheit 451, like, flew out of the bookmobile into one of the kid's hands, and he goes, whoa, dramatic irony. And I'm like, that's not the correct definition of either irony or dramatic irony. Which I guess, in, like, a meta sense, makes sense, because it's Cliff, it's, because it's an advertisement for Cliff Notes, so... The people who would get that wouldn't be the people who are buying Cliff Notes. Although I feel like the thing that Cliff Notes should do is give you proper definitions for literary criticism terms, but... It's like rain on your wedding day if you were marrying Thor. Sure, because it's not what you would expect. Mm. But dramatic irony doesn't just mean irony that's super intense. Dramatic. It's irony where something explodes. Dramatic irony means when the audience is aware of something that the characters in the piece are not aware of that's what dramatic irony means it's when a character says boy i sure am glad that there's not a bomb on this bus that will explode if it goes under 55 miles an hour i mean you know what a a gilligan cut is a pretty good example of dramatic irony it's it's a little off because the character is obviously aware of it at the end but I feel like a Gilligan cut kind of gets to what dramatic irony is. This is sort of the long way of around saying the title doesn't make a ton of sense. Like it, it's... I mean, I know we've referenced this before, but the super dramatic episode where Phoebe loses her baby later in the show was called Womb Raider. So maybe Charmed God. just has issues with titling their episodes. But So this episode was directed by... 
John Barron, who previously directed the episode Which Prue Is It Anyway? Ugh. And this episode was I mean, it's fine. So. And this and this episode was written by Zach Estrin and Chris Levinson, who we've seen a lot of because they're you know writers on the show. Yes. Yeah. But some of their previous episodes include Is There a Woogie in the House? Which and is a weirdly big lore episode. I I actually really like that episode. Uh, and the truth is out there, and it hurts. So I'm just emphasizing your your statement that maybe they're not the best at titling episodes. Mm. Okay, another weird divergence that you might cut. All right. There is, because I, it feels weird to be diverging into another far more popular podcast. Mm-hmm. But there is a television podcast that I love called Extra Hot Great. Mm-hmm. And... They do this, they have a segment on their podcast called The Canon, where people enter in episodes of television to be entered into the TV canon. Like, if aliens found us, these are the episodes of television we would want preserved to to show to the aliens. Hmm. Obviously, uh, Buffy the body. I'm almost certain the body is in the canon. Hmm. The canon actually started off as The Simpsons canon, where they were just entering episodes of The Simpsons. Anyway, there's an episode, and if I think about it, I'll put a link to it. I probably won't, but if I think about it, I'll put a link to that episode where somebody submitted to the canon this episode of Charmed, Morality Bites. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny to listen to the case because, you know, they're arguing it and they're arguing all of the things about this episode that are great and all of the things that make it possibly the best episode of Charmed, although I would argue it's not. I think we're going to get some episodes that are better. Mm. And... I mean, honestly, the episode where they find Paige is incredibly strong. Yeah, there there are strong episodes of Charmed. Anyway, as they're making this... You know what? I would say even uh, the episode we've already had with Melinda Warren is stronger than this episode. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty... Uh, I like that episode. I mean, I, I like it, but... Well, I have issues with this episode. Anyway, <laughs> issues with this episode that I probably didn't have in 1999. Well... There, there are issues with the moral of the episode, which... Yes, yes, I have issues with the moral of this episode. Anyway, as they're arguing the episode, and they're kind of coming around to including the episode, and then one of the hosts is like, wait, 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 these are the best episodes of television ever. I will believe this is the best episode of Charmed, but are you telling me this is the best episode of television and then it's like all of the hosts are like snapped out of a fog and they're like oh yeah no this isn't going in the canon i mean i'm honestly spoiler alert for that podcast <laughs> yes i'm honestly kind of glad we watched the body before talking about this because we're doing a little bit of a buffy rewatch and not like for anything just that's what we're rewatching right now yeah and i kind of tend to skip the body a lot just because I often don't have the energy to cry for 40 minutes straight. God. And I forgot what a well-constructed episode it is. Just, like, it's such a quiet episode. Yes, both, like, both literally and emotionally. And, like, the like the, the shot, uh, and, like, the shot composition and everything is just, it's sort of set up to feel like you're in the moment uh-huh. and there's all these like little things like the way the scenes the way the uh the way the screen cuts off the top of the paramedics uh face when he's talking to buffy yeah 
and like there are all of these little ways the camera makes you look at the scene that makes you feel like you're engaging in an emotional level just with the way the world is being presented to you mm-hmm. and i'm like I, I i forget that that's i i forget that that's a part of that episode and it really pulls together the whole thing it takes what is on its face a very strong episode and it gives it this sort of extra layer yeah yeah we should probably start talking about this episode of charmed it's just i think the body is the strongest episode of buffy and we're you know following it up with what is widely believed to be and if not then at least a top episode of charmed yeah we're probably not doing charmed any favors by watching by by talking about it right after we've watched the body but you know here we are here we are seriously like 40 minutes straight crying oh my god because there's all these little things you forget about god the bit with dawn I mean, if I need to make myself cry in real life, even without the episode being on, all I have to do is think about Anya's speech and I can make myself cry. Yeah, I, I, I was about to say that, like, I just have to think about, you know, and, you know, she'll never have eggs, or I, I can't even, I can't even, I, like, I just think about that speech and I well up. And, like, it's, it's one of the iconic Buffy moments, but, like, uh, again, like, we when we were going through the episode, I was like, there are a whole bunch of things I completely forgot because uh, of that. Like, it, I forgot that the episode opens after, you know, her finding the body with this scene with them at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And, like, God, I know it's coming every time, but the fake-out where she... Uh, oh, where the, where it seems like the paramedics have revived her mother. Oh. Uh, so let's talk about morality bites. Yeah. All right, so this episode actually starts with a pretty funny joke. Where uh, Piper is coming into the house, she's picked up groceries, and... <laughs> and she's holding one of her shoes, <laughs> and Phoebe asks her what's going on, or Phoebe asks her what she's got, and she says, like, dog poop. No, she says, I've got poop, and Prue says, well, we're not out of that. <laughs> we weren't out of that. Like, it's it's perfectly delivered, too. Honestly, I was like, Prue is not that funny. Yeah. Like... Good on Shannon Doherty for perfectly delivering that line, but Prue is not that funny. Honestly, that probably should have been an Alyssa Milano line. Yeah, Cause yeah. Because that's way more in character. They're like, that sort of casual deadpan is way more of a Phoebe thing at this point in the show. But the point is that Piper has walked in dog poop because their neighbor just lets his dog do his business all over the neighborhood and doesn't pick it up. Okay, so... The girls are like, but we've left him passive-aggressive notes and nothing has happened. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Okay, so it has to be malicious, though, because the way the front of their house is set up, where is that dog pooping? It must have been on the sidewalk, which the thing about dogs is they don't want to poop on a sidewalk. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there are grassy areas around, but... Like, the dog would have to be pooping basically on the steps leading up to their house for this to be an issue. So, I think maybe something, some response harsher than a note is warranted because this is clearly a malicious act. Well, Phoebe's ready to do something more harsh than a note. Phoebe is ready to use magic to teach him a lesson, despite the fact that Prue points out that that is definitely personal gain. Although Phoebe says that she'll be saving all of the innocents in the neighborhood who now won't be trotting through dog shit. Well, I mean, if he's specifically having the dog poop on their stairs. Well, then... I mean, I assume he's doing it to other houses, too. Yeah. 
So, Piper, and actually, you know what? Actually, in this scene we see, Piper freezes him just as the dog is pooping. And he is, he's doing it right in front of their steps. Yeah. Like. That, yeah, that's, that's. So how dogs work. Alright, so anyway, the dog's pooping right in front of the steps. Piper freezes him. Prue telekinetically moves the poop so it's underneath the guy's shoe, and then he steps in it. Now it is his shoe that is the poop shoe. God. Uh, this is a fun impetus for, you know, one of probably the darker episodes of Charmed. <laughs> yeah. Justice has been done. Anyway, he turns around and he sees the girls looking at him through the window, and they're like, oh no, does he know we did that? Wait, that would be ridiculous. Why? And here's a great question that you should hold in your head. Why would he assume that the three women had wa- Why would he assume that the three women watching him through the window were witches who had made this thing happen? Yeah, there's sort of a lot of leaps in logic that the episode very wisely skates over because I don't get how you get from point A to point which in what ha- ends up happening over the course of this show episode so phoebe's like whatever actions having consequences i'm gonna watch 15 minutes of tv which seems weird because that's a weird amount of time yeah like although she does turn on the news i mean but also she doesn't have a job she can watch as much tv as she wants yeah i I was i was about to say like why are you limiting yourself you have nothing to do all day you know what she could do though find a job Oh, oh, that would be great. I was going to say, she could take off her shoes before she puts her feet on the couch. Nope. Like, well, you, you just talked about how much dog shit is in the yard. You know those shoes are not clean. Just put them on the, on the white couch. So, she turns on the TV. She slips. She flips past a program about Coco, the signing gorilla. Oh, which was not real. Yeah, I I heard about that. Like, she just... It was a call and response thing. Like, she was basically a very well-trained animal. No, no, no. It was... Well, I mean, it was, but also... Mostly, it was people seeing what they want to see. Like, it... it, it I was I was listening to the podcast you're wrong about. They did an episode about Coco. And having a infant now, I can totally see it. Like... She moves her hands in a way where I'm like, oh, she's clearly signing. She wants a drink. She wants milk. It's like, and she signs hungry a lot when... Yeah. yeah. Well, I, did, I mean, when this podcast aired, she was five months old. There was no way she was actually signing at five months old. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally see how your brain can see what you want to see or expect to see. I mean, so, she, she's babbling, too, and it's like... Yeah. You hear things, and you're like, well, no, she's just... Yeah, oh, she said mom. No, she didn't say mom. Those are just sound she's practicing making yeah yeah sorry to burst the cocoa bubble there coco didn't really sign no it would be very hard for coco to get offended at this because you know she didn't understand english and also she's dead i'm apologizing to all the people out there who like believed very in, cocoa. Invested in cocoa yeah anyway i'm sorry there's no such thing as gorillas <laughs> Anyway, Phoebe is watching this news show, and then the news switches to a discussion of... Oh, she flips from a from Coco to a news show. 
which makes me think, why did they have the Coco thing in there at all? I know we're over-focusing on something that... Uh, I guess it's neat that it's not just the TV's on and magically it's on the thing that we need it to be on. Although, honestly, this premonition is a bit of a stretch. Although, we'll talk about... At the end of this episode, we'll talk about whether or not the premonition was a stretch or not. Yeah. So, Phoebe flips from the Coco program to something about a baseball player. Named Cal Green. Named Cal Green. That's a very baseball player name. It is. Good job. Good job, Charmed. And Phoebe has a premonition of herself watching a news broadcast in black and white. In the far distant year of 2009. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. That was 11 years ago. Yeah. Well, from her point of view, it's 10 years in the future. Yeah. Uh, Time. It's a bitch. Anyway, she sees a vision of a news program of herself being burned at the stake. Very conveniently with the uh, time, with the date at the bottom of the uh, screen. So she starts screaming. I thought that indicated that she could feel the fire. She says she can. Even though we see it from... As a news broadcast, she says she can feel the fire. So, uh, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Mm. I mean, that's the way dreams work. Why wouldn't that be the way visions work? I mean, not that Phoebe's visions are ever consistent in this show. And and we'll have some talk at the end of this episode about whether or not this even was a vision. Because mm. I have doubts about that. You think it was just the elders messing with them? I do. I, 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 yeah, well, so spoilers for, for what we're going to talk about at the end of the episode. But yeah, I think it was the elders messing with them. So Phoebe tells Prue and uh, Piper about her vision, which brings us to the credits, which are neighbor Dan and neighbor Jenny Liss. That's weird. They were in last week's credits. I, I don't really think of show. I mean, I guess shows don't so much have credits anymore, but I don't really think of shows as editing the credits as much when certain characters aren't in episodes as... I feel like they only edit credits and and edit who's front credited between seasons. It's weird. I mean, I guess that's not true. I guess they do do it other times, but it's weird that they were in the first one and now they're not. I mean, we saw this a little bit with uh, Doran Gregory in season one, where, like, sometimes he was in the credits, but only if Daryl was in an episode. It's bizarre. Yeah. So, we got to a Dutch angle shot of the manor. That's weird. Yeah. But they're comforting Phoebe by telling her, Hey, look, like, sometimes your visions are complete BS, so maybe... And ten years is a long time. A lot could happen in ten years. Some of us could be dead. And Phoebe is upset because she wants to know why she was being executed, although, I mean... I guess it had to be a, new, a news program so that we'd know it was an execution and not just, I don't know, some guys with free time and a budget. Yeah, that's true. So the doorbell rings, and it is Leo. This makes me think that these episodes... This makes me think that Morality Bites was not supposed to be the second episode of the season. Honestly, I feel kind of like maybe it was supposed to be... I guess not the first, because the first season was... Uh, or the first episode was very clearly a... a retable setting or whatever like i feel like this was definitely supposed to come later because she and leo are just casually a thing a thing now and as you said neighbor dan and neighbor jenny aren't in the credits i feel like this was supposed to come later yeah i don't know i mean honestly i think it was supposed to come earlier if it weren't for the fact that the first episode of season two is very clearly a getting back to business episode because i could see this you know 
no neighbor no neighbor dan no neighbor jenny leah or like piper's still sort of having her thing with leah like yeah i guess i could see that too huh anyway leo's there and piper's so happy to see him leo says he's playing hooky from being a angel for the afternoon so he can mac on piper i guess how many clients do you think white lighters should have? Like, I feel like every white lighter... No more should... than two. Yeah, like... We know Leo has a lot of uh, people he's working for, though. I guess he's usually less involved than he is with the Charmed Ones, I guess. Well, also, they probably are in mortal danger less often than the Charmed Ones. Yeah. Speaking of... Piper's like, I have to cancel our date because of mortal danger. And Leo's like, oh, I totally understand. And then he gets, like, a magical chime message from the elders. And he's like, oh, me too. And then Piper's outraged. Yeah, it's kind of funny because she's like, as you said, she's like, uh, I can't, uh, we can't hang out now. Mortal peril. And he's like, oh, cool, same. And she's like, how dare you? My word. Which is sort of a preview for how the rest of their relationship is going to go. Uh, oh, Leo, if you knew what the future held. <laughs> but. Piper is so mad at him. You just canceled on him, Piper. Although, to be fair, then she, like, leans in to kiss him and he orbs away. And it's like, well, he, he kiss... orbs away mid-kiss. Yeah, like, she leans in to kiss him and he starts the kiss and then orbs right into her mouth. It uh, This has to be, like, the white lighter equivalent of burping into someone's mouth. She probably got his orbs in her mouth. Oh, gross. Yeah. Gross. We see, but uh, Piper does not. Dramatic irony. Mm. That Leo has orbed upstairs to the attic. And he opens the Book of Shadows and turns it to a page. But he, like, uses magical telekinesis to turn it to a page. Yeah, I kind of thought from something he says later that he put the spell in there. But then later they talk about it like the spell was always there. But then way later in the show when they're dealing with Chris stuff, he uh, says that... Like, it, this spell was a one-time thing the elders put in the book, so... Oh! Oh, maybe he was putting the spell in. Okay, that makes sense. Because I thought he was just using his magic to turn the pages, and I was like, use a pen, Sideshow Bob. You know? Like, just turn the page. You don't have to be so extra about everything. Yeah, although later in the episode, he talks about just turning to the page, so... Uh, I don't know. I, I really feel like the whole, oh, that was a one, uh, that was a, like, special thing the elders had me put in was kind of a retcon, but it also really works with the way the scene is shot, which is kind of ambiguous, so, eh. Well, it makes sense to me if this spell was a one-shot thing, because it's not, you know, when we get into my conspiracy theory at the end, it's not really taking them to the future, mm. which is what the spell says it does. It says it will take them to the future. Also, like... I don't think the Charmed Ones do it so much, but a lot of other people seem to have really easy access to time travel in the show. Well, I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But, like, Cupids can do it. Um, the Time Demon from the end of the last season? Yeah, Tempest can do it. Cole does it. Um, that random kid in the Lady Godiva episode does it. Oh, yeah! Like, I forgot about that kid. A lot of people seem to be really, really good at time travel magic, or well, at least competent. I mean, don't forget the Charmed Ones themselves have time traveled. Yeah. Already at this point of the show, so 
Oh, and Grams' Magic Go-Go boots. Although a lot of this is going back in time, I guess the Lady Godiva thing is the main thing for pulling someone forward in time. Although that's pulling someone from the past. Yeah, going to the future. Do we see people go to the future? We don't, but they do accidentally summon future versions of Wyatt and Chris. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And when Phoebe's trying to figure out whether or not she wants to marry Cole, she summons a version of herself from the future and a version of herself from the past. Okay. So, I feel like being able to go to the future shouldn't be such a big deal. Need a special one-shot spell from the elders. I mean, can I blow your mind? Sure. I'm traveling to the future right now. Accurate, yes. One would think it would be easier than going to the past. Plus, you can mess up as much stuff as you want in the future, and who cares? Although, speaking of... I know it's going to be a while before we get into it, but... Phoebe gets her future self killed in that episode. Yes, she does. She gets, I mean, clearly some things changed. But oh, oh, in the Cole episode. Yeah. She gets herself killed in this episode, too. Man, things do not go well for future Phoebe. Although the fact that she lives to be old in the Cole episode indicates that this isn't going to happen. Although apparently she does have, apparently this actually has a sequel story in the comics. We should look that up. Yeah. Her, her friend who gets murdered by the baseball player is actually Elise, I think. Oh, interesting. I, I might be misremembering, but I think it's Elise. Oh, see, they're very vague about who dies. I kind of thought that, you know what, we'll talk about it when we get to it. So, the sisters go upstairs and Leo orbs out of the way after flipping the book to the time travel page slash putting the time travel page in the book a one-time spell to take you to the future and back again yes there it's a two-part spell first part brings you to the future second part brings you back and uh they decide eh, why not time travel let's not put on comfortable shoes or anything before time traveling let's just into the future yeah so phoebe's convinced that Whatever happened, she was falsely accused and convicted because clearly she would never do anything that would get her burned at the stake by the government. Clearly. Clearly Phoebe would never do anything that would get her burned at the stake by the government. So Piper starts wondering before they cast the spell how she looks, and Phoebe's like, you look fine. And she's like, no, how am I going to look in the future? How will I have looked after aging ten years? Perhaps when I've aged... A little Trifo- oh, I can't. I was trying to quote that play Cordelia was in in Angel, but uh, my Angel foo is a lot weaker than my Buffy foo. So they cast the spell. The twinkly lights of time travel envelop them. We get a you know. We get the time travel effect where you see the day tonight, today, tonight, really quick over the front of the banner. And that was the sound of Piper phasing into her future self. Okay, so you said phase, but the effect was an orbing effect, which I think adds credence to the idea that it's a spell that was put there by Leo and not just the page turned to. Hmm. So I want to know what future Piper was doing, because apparently she was just passed out on the couch in the middle of the day. 
It's been a rough couple of weeks. Her sister was arrested for being a witch. I wonder if she uh, still owns P3 in this future, or if she remembered that she wanted to be a chef. A girl comes running down the stairs and is like, Mom! And Pepper's like, I'm not your mom, kid. You're in the wrong house. You have no mother. Which is so traumatizing. Like, did you you skip time travel 101, Piper? Yeah. If you go to the future and a kid comes running up to you and says, Mom, that kid's probably your kid. But... Especially if the kid is under 10. This kid's like 8. So, the kid, uh... Runs up, she hugs Piper. Piper looks like she is about to hit a child. And then the girl's like, oh, mom, you're always joking about not having kids, and then runs off. Piper then goes to the mirror, and she's like, oh, no, I'm so old, even though she looks exactly the same. And then she notices the giant diamond on her finger, and is like, oh, well, at least a man loves me. Oof. Talk about unfortunate subtext in this episode. Seriously. So, as she's checking herself out in the mirror, she sees, reflected in the, uh, mirror, a flat-screen TV. Yeah, it's, like, it's what projection TVs looked like in the 80s, except flatter, as opposed to what flat-screen TVs actually look like now. And by flat-screen TV, I mean TV, because they're all flat-screen now. I mean, honestly, it's not a terrible approximation of what a flat screen looks like now i mean the non-screen part is way too big yeah but like i'm like you know what they're not they weren't that far off here's what's far off it's apparently a local news show okay (laughs) and the announcer is talking about the upcoming execution of phoebe hallowell with this terrible graphic of like flames behind a picture of phoebe i guess she's watching fox have you seen their graphics they're awful (laughs) but he, he's like, but enough about talking about that witch who's... Oh, by the way, witches are real. It's a, <laughs> Witches are real, and one of them's going to be burned at the stake, but enough about that. Let's talk about Real World 16, Real World, real world the Moon. I looked up what uh, Real World 16 was. Where was Real World 16? Denver. Which is very much not the moon, unless I've been horribly misinformed about Denver. I've only gone through their airport. It was a very nice airport, but uh, I'm... I'm sure, Give it to understand it's not the moon. I'm sure Denver is fine. I actually understand it's quite a nice town. It's one of those places where you're, it's like it's like Wyoming where you're like, I'm sure it exists, but I've never met anyone from there. Actually, Denver's kind of poised to become the next Portland as far as cities that get destroyed by hipsters. Huh. Yeah. Well, it'll be nice to have some national attention off us for a change. It's so weird going on Twitter and having all of these people talk about how Portland's you know, on fire or whatever, which outside of the brief period where it was on fire, which was, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really weird having people talk about your hometown. Like it's being overrun by anarchists and you know, I wish Yeah, you can't go out without being beaten to death by Antifa. And it's like, that's so divorced from the reality of Portland. And I, I saw this one guy posting, he's like, Oh Yeah. You're, you're all saying that from your ivory towers. And, like, he was posting all of these pictures he grabbed off Getty images of fancy apartments. I'm like, okay, you clearly don't know what Portland's like because it's basically the suburbs except for, like, the four tall buildings downtown. Which is, wh- ironically, where there actually is stuff happening. Although most of the stuff that's happening is uh, happening in a small radius around 
actually where I work. Except I haven't been there in six months because of COVID. Like, it's happening downtown where the justice buildings are, which means it's just a bunch of office buildings. It's not where really anyone lives. I mean, there's there are some apartment complexes down there, but it's mostly office buildings. Yeah, which... And it's weird because you see all these people who are like, oh, you know, all the small businesses that are being destroyed. And it's like, no small business can afford to be downtown. Are you kidding? I've... I can't get into it. I can't get into it. It makes me too angry. But you can't engage with all these people who are like, clearly you're lying about the place where you live and spend all of your time. Fox News showed me a graphic of it on fire, just like Phoebe. Oh, There, brought nice, it around, nice. brought it around. So Piper's nanny shows up to take her uh, kid. Yeah, she's like, hey, I'm here to take your kid to school since you and your husband are going through a terrible divorce. Thank you, exposition nanny. Yep. And, uh... How's that terrible divorce going? Still <laughs> terrible? But, uh, Piper's daughter hugs her and she's like, Don't worry, Mom. I'm not gonna use my magic powers. Yep. What powers do you think the daughter has? It's probably telekinesis, right? Yeah, she looks like a tele... She looks like a kid who's got telekinesis. Hmm. Plus, I mean, like... It's not like she'd be able to promise not to use uh, premonitions. That's true. And I don't think... I, I, I guess that I don't really have a thing for this, but I, I don't think that, you know, she'd have time freeze. Because, like, Graham's had telekinesis and her only daughter uh, had time freeze. Oh, interesting thought. Huh, I, I hadn't given a lot of thought to how it works. Hmm. I'm sure it's not consistent at all. Yes. Uh, Piper starts calling for Prue, who is not there, because Prue does not live in the manor anymore. Mm. Ooh. And uh, when Piper walks her daughter outside, I just want to say, there's a bike on the porch, which must belong to Piper, because no one else lives there. And I just, I can't imagine any future where Piper becomes an avid bicyclist. Well, it was like the episode where she cast the spell to find her ideal man, and she was talking about, like, morning jogs, and I'm like, really, Piper? Really? Like, I know that's a kind of cliche ideal mate thing, but I can't imagine you waking up and being like, oh yeah, I want to go jogging. Right? I mean, maybe it's one of those things where she bought it and just never uses it, but... Well, but it's on the porch! Maybe it's just a decorative bike. Just to make it look like she uh, uses it. So, the daughter and the nanny drive away, and then a limo pulls up, and out comes... Oh my goodness, out comes... Blonde Prue. Yeah. Who has... Shannon Doherty in a long blonde wig and a pleather tube dress. Who did she hog off? It's such an awful look. I, I, it's, it's a look. It's a look. And of course, you know, my first thought is from 30 Rock. I knew you were blonde in your fantasies. Yes, and much like Tina Fey in that dream sequence, Shannon, Shannon Doherty is not pulling it off. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Hang on. Divergence. A series of movies that they had to uh, stop releasing in theaters because no Because one of watching. disinterest. Yeah. We were censored due to disinterest. Just for comparison, 
I want to show you what Claudia Black looks like when they do a fantasy sequence on Farscape where she's blonde. Okay. What? <laughs> Is she cosplaying as Aphrodite from Hercules the Legendary Journeys and or Xena Warrior Princess? Uh, well, I will tell you the episode is called John Quixote. Nope. 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 Gosh. My point is, if you are a brunette lead, your showrunner will find a way to make you blonde for at least one episode. Ugh. So... Ironically, Prue is not the one who's going to be killed in this episode. Oh, in this episode! <gasps> Oh. Oh. Although, they make a big deal about Phoebe being blonde later. But it's really She has, like, a highlight. highlight. Yeah. Like, a single light highlight in the front of her hair. Anyway. So, Prue comes running up the stairs out of her limo, followed by her entourage of, uh... Toadies? Yeah. And they're all fussing over her, and she's like, Get. Get. She's like, back off. Leave me be. And Piper's like, blonde, hun. Prue's like, I don't want to talk about it. She's like, yes, but I do own Bucklands now. And also three other Bucklands in Paris and Tokyo and London. Uh, I want to point out that even though she's blonde and clearly like a business bitch now, mm-hmm. she's still wearing the the pendant necklace. She's still wearing the, the diamond necklace, the like single diamond necklace that she wears as Prue. Hmm. Like, she's still got that. I, I just feel like we're supposed to see how disconnected she is from her family in this future, but she is still, in a real way, connected to her past self. Hmm. Prue and uh, Piper start playing future catch-up. Piper points out that this is not how it worked when they went into the past. When they went into the past, they were separate people from their past selves. Now in the future, they're in the same bodies as their past selves. Prue future kind of- selves. Prue kind of hand waves it. She's like, oh, it must be because future time travel is different from past time travel. So in future time travel, we use the same bodies. Clearly. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, this show is never at all consistent with time travel. Just not to keep going to the Criswell, which we're going to keep going to the Criswell until Chris shows up. Oh, and then we'll go to the Criswell so often. I'm actually really excited to talk about Chris. I know I've mentioned that before, but like Chris violates the main rule of time travel. Which is, uh, you can't have powers before you were born. Ah, yes. And, I mean, honestly, they didn't have powers after they were born Well, in as, that one episode. Yes. Well, as we will talk about when we talk about Chris, I think it's pretty clear that they went a different direction with Chris than they originally intended. Yeah. And I guess, technically, he was from a splinter timeline, so... Uh, Jeremy Barry, baby! God. So Piper and Prue are comparing lives, and Piper's like, well, I've got the daughter, but I'm still living at home like a loser. And Prue's like... Oh, 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 poor, poor Piper! You live in this giant manor in San Francisco! It's probably worth at least $500,000! Oh, Oh, there's no way that's not a millions, millions of dollars house. Oh, you know what, you're right, because I'm remembering now that, uh... Oakland, California, mm-hmm. which is just on the other side of the bay from San Francisco, is one of the most expensive places to live. You can get, you can make a six-figure salary in Oakland and still qualify for an FHA-insured mortgage there, because that's how expensive housing is. God. Yeah. Yeah. 
But Prue's like, oh, boo-hoo. At least you're married and have a kid. I'm super rich and successful, but I don't have a man. And Piper's like, how do you know you don't have a man? And she's like, well, you know, you know I just kind of assumed. Because I'm successful, and as we all know, all successful women are lonely. I mean, to be fair, she slept in her office. I feel like somebody would have called and asked her where she was if she had a if she had somebody who was expecting her. I don't know. Maybe her husband just knows her really well. Maybe she, maybe she's like, I'm gonna sleep at the office tonight, and he's like, okay. Yeah, maybe he's like, you're a powerful woman, and I respect that about you. <laughs> it's funny because none of Bruce's boyfriends respect her. Not that she really has any. I mean. Again, she had Andy, and she's going to have Betty Cooper's dad, and I think that's basically it, other than one-shots. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's not going to be around much longer. Yeah. Uh, they realize that if they're in their future bodies, that must mean Phoebe is in the body that's about to be burned at the stake, and honestly, it took them too long to get there. All, as the news reminds them, which the, why does the news keep on popping up with this randomly? Right? They switched to the real world. Now they're back on, now they're back on this? Yes, so these are better news segments than we've seen before, although they're still pretty uh, of the time this was shot. I, I, I kind of love this news segment because the reporter is like, as you know, we all recently discovered that witchcraft is a thing. And that witches are real and that a, and that a witch murdered famed baseball player Cal Green and that the new governor of california is the prosecutor who successfully prosecuted her for murder nathaniel pratt nathaniel pratt which uh, i know california has kind of a history of electing conservative governors because it's one of those things like oregon where it has like a couple really really deep blue pockets but like the vast majority of the states are red it's just the population in those blue pockets is like double that of the rest of the state right well i mean there are large rural areas yeah, yeah. but it seems weird to me that this guy got elected well, he's very fire and brimstone yeah i'm glad you said that I, literally because he's gonna like he's literally fire and brimstone here but it's Worth noting, I think, that he's speaking, he, he's not being outwardly religious, exactly, but he's speaking with a religious zeal about, you know, cleansing the world of these witches, like, evil witches. I, I it's, I'm just saying, this episode watches differently in 2020. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. That it did in 1999 when, as you said when we were talking about morality, <laughs> morality, as you said when we were talking about reality bites, history had ended. Yeah. It hadn't started back up again yet. <sighs> so, a future car, which, honestly... It looks, it looks pretty close to, yeah. I mean... It looks like a smart car, but a little bigger. Yeah. So, weirdly good job, Charmed. <laughs> uh, drives by the manor as... Prue and Piper run upstairs to try to find the book so they can see if there's some sort of jailbreak spell. Well, I think they're just going to use the going back to the present spell and just... Nope out of this. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the future Charmed One's problem. But they cannot find the spell. Oops. But they cannot find the Book of Shadows. And Prue gets frustrated and accidentally... I really like this practical effect. It looks great. 
Prue gets frustrated and accidentally telekinetically blows the crap out of the attic. She just waves her hand and it causes everything in the attic to like scatter and there's like a light effect where we she, see that it all like blasts. Yeah, she literally blows out a wall. She blows out a wall of the attic, which seems like it should probably be a thing that they would need to deal with more, but Piper's like, wow, I guess her powers do expand. Eh. They find the key. They find in the attic the key to Prue's safe at Buckland's. So they realize that the book must be at Buckland's. And then they just leave the ruins of the attic. It's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> Luckily, San Francisco's sunny, so they don't have to worry about inclement weather destroying the attic that now has no wall. That's future Prue and Piper. I guess just future Piper's problem. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Phoebe is in supermax jail but she's, she's in witch jail she's in witch jail but she's uh wearing kind of a cute outfit for jail yeah it's like a purple jumpsuit it's like oh it's like it's kind of maroon pajamasy. yeah for a prison outfit it's pretty cute she also has a shock collar that just kind of looks like a choker yeah i was supposed to say i thought she had a choker and the wall was electrified but i guess it's the choker electrifying her if she gets too close to the yeah, it, it, it's one of those future prison cells where if you touch it, it like does the little thing so that she can't get close to it. It's basically the only prison that can contain a witch, I guess. Mm. They, Although, honestly, if she had the power the later Charmed Ones have where they can just kind of make anything happen by rhyming. Yeah. I, I think this wouldn't be able to hold. So, Prue and Piper are going to... Oh my god. They're going to Buckland's to try to find the book because they uh, think that the key that they found is to a safe in Prue's office, which I guess she'd have the same office still, even though she runs everything now. Maybe she likes her office. Or she probably kept the same safe. Hmm. Okay. Piper, they take Piper's car, and Piper's like, I can't believe you have a limo and an assistant, and I'm still driving this car. And Prue's like, well, at least you have a husband. God. Prue has the worst story out of the three by a she lot. She really does. Oh no, you're like, what, 34 and you're not married yet? Boo it's, freaking who. It's such an 80s story too. Like, oh, I'm just a business bitch with no time for love and a family. I sure hope that I end up taking care of a scrappy orphan or end up marooned in some winter town so that I learn my lesson about love being more important than money. Isn't it weird how all of those stories have kind of the same conceit as, uh, you know, every... All Christmas movies? Oh, I was going to say, what horrors has science wrought movies? You know, oh, we... we... Yeah, they're all, we went too far. Yeah. We went too far, whether it's man playing God or woman having a job. Isn't it sad that those are the... <laughs> literally on the same level there? Wow. How dare you try to be good at things? Dang. Speaking of being good at things, a guy crashes into a woman, and she, like, starts to drop things, and Piper, if she can't have true love, then no one else can have a meet-cute. I'm not- I'm, I'm just kidding, that's not why. She's, she's doing it because it's an instinct. But she freezes everything, but she freezes everything. Yes, she freezes basically the entire block. Which, like, the birds and, like, the guy who's watering the lawn a block away. It's it's a massive time freeze. Which, 
is a big expansion of her powers. Like, I guess this is kind of the only way they could show her powers expanding, because yeah. they didn't come up with the explosion thing yet. And also, that would have been horrifying if she had gone to freeze the guy and accidentally blown him up. I mean, I know they couldn't do it because... I don't want to say Charmed is a kid's show, per se, but it's... It's not the kind of show where you accidentally kill a guy and then just move on with the episode. It's not The Magicians, where characters accidentally do horrible things to each other. Horrible body horror things with magic. But Leo shows up. Oh my god! Okay, so Leo shows up and he's like, How dare you use magic! Magic you, is evil now, remember? You promised that you wouldn't do this. Don't you care about our daughter, Melinda? Melinda, our daughter, Melinda? And, uh, and Piper's like, wait, I thought every woman in our family had a P name. And he's like, well, she's actually Prudence Melinda later in the future when we get to this character. But... <laughs> uh, so a woman leave, walks out of the building and sees everything frozen except for the girls and leo and she points at them like invasion of the body snatchers and like opens her mouth to scream witches oh oh no oh no she goes witch (laughs) it is the weirdest line read and she does it like that like four times witch witch which what accent were you going for what 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 is that and then we cut to like a really scary big brothers watching style poster of nathaniel pratt doing the same point and and it says if you see a witch turn her in which which how did this guy get elected i mean i i i I know this I mean, I know we live in the age of QAnon, and I don't want to get into a depressing... Oh, you mean how did he convince people that witches are real? Yeah, because I I feel like that's sort of not a bridge too far, but I feel like that's the sort of thing where you can't get it into the mainstream without a bunch of smaller steps first. Well, he... I think he came to power... I think he was probably this guy who was just quietly talking about witches and how witches are evil. And then the video of Phoebe killing... Cal Green came out, and then that's what made him really popular. It was like, oh, he was the only one who really knew. He's the only one who can protect us. God, the cleaners were not doing their jobs that day, were they? Well, we'll talk. Hmm. Yeah. So, Leo's like, we have to get out of here, and Piper unfreezes everyone, and Leo kind of just hustles them away. I mean, like, I guess they could just run. I mean, she saw them. Yeah, why? I mean, honestly, Leo should have just orbed them all away while everyone was frozen. That way that woman would have looked like the crazy one screaming witch at nobody. I mean, I guess the idea is that because Piper quickly unfroze everything, she can't tell which which person is the witch. Which witch. But anyway, yeah, they, they scamper out of there. The woman was inside a building. That's the uh, that's why she didn't get hit by the freeze. Right. Just so you know, it was... Yeah. yeah. Leo says they have to get out of there before the witch hunters come. Okay. Fine, yes. In prison, Phoebe's like, where are my sisters? And Nathaniel Pratt is like, they haven't come for you the whole time you've been in prison. Yeah, they disavowed you so fast. Like, yeah. you're all alone, no one loves you, you're gonna die. 
Yeah. Apparently he's been coming to prison and taunting her. Because she's like, who are you? And he's like, yes, it has been a while since my last visit. I've been gathering kindling for your execution. This is so freaking dark. Mm. And Phoebe's like, I don't have a ton of context for this. Like, I, I just saw myself being executed after I saw the baseball player. I didn't know what what that has to do how we got from point a to point b here and he's like she's she's trying to like ferret out what her crime was without saying it she's like my crime wasn't that bad was it and he's like what crime could be bigger than taking a man's life which there are there are a bunch of crimes taking a lot of people's lives Uh, i don't know i mean it, it it depends on it was it was it murder was it manslaughter was it vehicular manslaughter was it like what, what, what's that one where it's like self-defense no like accidental homicide or what? Uh, uh, manslaughter is accidental homicide but do you mean do you mean felony murder because felony murder is when you're engaging in the act of a felony and someone gets killed during the commission of the felony even if you had no part in it so like you're driving the getaway car and like somebody in the bank gets shot mm, that wasn't what I was thinking but yeah like yeah, I, I I mean I get what he's saying. Murder is the the big the big. Crime. It's the big one. <laughs> yeah, but she's like, I would never kill anyone. Which, okay, I, I get where you're. A coming lot could happen here, in ten years. But also, that is true. But also, technically, the warlocks you kill are people. Oh yeah, that too. Like, <laughs> like they're people who kill women to get their powers, but you're still committing murder when you kill them. I mean, I guess it's self-defense or whatever, but, like... I mean, remember... Remember in this... Remember last season when, uh... That one warlock was coming after them, and... Prue was like, we don't kill people! And then he threw an energy blast at them, and she moved it back onto him and was like, well, you know. Yeah. That happened, like, three months ago, from your point of view, Phoebe. Yeah, like, I mean, honestly... It's not a big step from that to, honestly, what happened. Yeah. And, which, I get it, it's the point of the episode. Like, there is But a, it's not a big step? Yeah. There is a... I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this. There is a very thin line between what they do and, I guess, between justice and vengeance. Sure. There is a very thin line between protecting the innocent and murdering the guilty which is which is how they phrase it this this episode yeah yeah i don't think this episode ends up doing that great of a job with it but uh. so uh he thinks that she's trying to go for an insanity plea but he's like because she's acting like she doesn't remember because she doesn't remember and he's like look we already had the trial and you are evil you're pure evil and no amount of pretending you don't know what you did is going to get you out of having to pay for your crime. And she's like, do they even have the death penalty in California? And he's like... They reinstated it to burn witches. God. Phoebe's like, you just are afraid of us because you don't understand us. And he's like, I have a video of you blowing a guy's head up. So... Yeah, like... I understand you blowing a guy's head up. Like, I don't understand sharks, but that doesn't mean I'm, you know, <laughs> not going to get out of the water if I see a fin coming at me. I don't understand black holes, but I'm not about to stick my dick in one. 
I mean, if you were close enough to a black hole to do that, you probably you, would have other issues anyway. Yeah, you're probably... If you could stick your dick in this black hole, you are too close. So, Leo has taken Piper and Prue to the secret magical person hiding warehouse. Yeah, okay. They're like, hey, Leo, we don't know what's happening because we are from the past. We came here, we jumped ten years in time, and we don't know what's happening. And he's like, don't lie to me! Okay, Leo is the worst person in this episode. And And this is an episode with an actual religious zealot trying to burn a main character alive. Yeah, like, why would you not believe them, especially since... You have memories of either flipping the page to that spell or putting that spell in the book. Also, also, I don't want to be mean, but the last time Brian Krause and Holly Marie Combs had a bunch of serious scenes together, he was dying, and it was kind of harder to tell that he's a much worse actor than she is. Oh. But... She convinces him with a kiss, and he's like, you haven't kissed me like that in ten years. And she's like, no, I kissed you like that this morning, from my perspective. And he's like, well, I guess now that you've stuck your tongue in my mouth, I'll choose to believe you about the thing that I know happened. He's like, now that you mention it, ten years ago, the time you say you came from, uh, the elders sent me up to the attic to turn the books to a specific page about a time travel spell. I mean, I didn't connect those things until you started kissing me, but, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all coming together now. Yeah, he says that they had him turn the book to that spell, but... So, uh, he's like, so you don't know anything that's happened in the past ten years? And Piper's like, yes, Leo, that's what we've been telling you for the past four minutes of screen time. Yeah, so there's a bunch of people who hide it out here who have been accused of witchcraft. Leo says most of them have been falsely accused, but well, they ha- it's never fun for the falsely accused. Yes, yes. I, we, as we said, we were just watching Buffy, and one of my favorite Anya lines when she's talking about the Salem witch hunts, and she says, uh, "It wasn't that big of a deal for the witches because they could just use magic to escape." Yeah, it was really only bad for the falsely accused, and they never have a good time. Ah, <laughs> uh. uh, yeah. So, uh, although, see how that worked out for Amy. She's fine. She's just a rat. She gets better! And honestly, Willow was able to turn her back really easily. Willow should have turned her back a lot earlier. Yeah. Uh, season 5 is the one season where Amy does not appear. That is an interesting bit of trivia. Yeah, she gets mentioned, but... Uh, so... Honestly, season 5 is around the time Willow should have been able to turn her back. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's explaining, you know, what happened. That... Cal Green, the baseball player, killed someone very important to Phoebe. I really feel like this was hinting at Phoebe maybe being a lesbian. Well, he doesn't say it was a woman. Just Oh, you're right. It does he well, I guess that's okay. Just the way they kind of talk around the person, he's like a dear friend of Phoebe's was brutalized by Cal, and I'm like Honestly, it's so weird. It's like clearly they're talking around it because they want to keep their options open to like do something with Phoebe, but they never really do. And learning that it was Elise in the comics makes me disappointed. It's like you set up all of this groundwork. Like you laid all this track and I hopped on the train and the destination was Elise? Yeah, and 
the thing is, like, the season three finale is kind of a follow-up to this episode, and I really feel like they should have done more stuff with this episode, considering how much later Charmed likes to recycle plots. Mm -hmm. It's weird that they didn't go back to this well more. So, also, I just want to point out that Leo's, I, this is such a, this is such a, I'm getting way into the weeds here, but Leo's like, yeah, Cal was let go on a technicality, and I just feel like Phoebe's energy could have been put better places than killing Cal. Hmm. Like. But, yeah. So, uh, Cal brutalized a dear friend of Phoebe's. Phoebe uh, then got off on a technicality, and Phoebe responded by using magic to kill him. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the sisters are like, did she prophesy him to death? And Leo's like, her, all of your powers evolved, although, I mean... If I was Phoebe, I'd be kind of honked off that she never got the hand lightning thing she has in this episode. But yeah. she did get the levitation, so it's one of the two tricks. But, yeah, Leo tells them, like, look, you can't do anything to stop this. Like, this is an inevitability. Phoebe needs to die for what she did. Wait, he doesn't tell them that yet. This is such a, like... Even though he knows that they're from the past now, he's still being the worst in this episode. Because he tells them that they can't risk it. He's going to orbit. And Prue says, okay, so she assumes he's going to orbit to the prison, grab Phoebe and orb out, and they're going to gather the materials that they need to do whatever they need to do to fix this. Hmm. That's, that's how they leave things at the end of this scene. Not so much, Leo's as it turns out. the worst. Oh, and speaking of things that are the worst, Prue's like, I know our sister's in danger, but Leo, can we talk about our marriage and what went wrong and, like, how I can fix it in the future? And Leo's like, mm. <laughs> Prue's like, can we save our sister from, like, the pyre first and then you can deal with your romance? But we go from that to Prue going to the office to try to get the book. And okay, so we can see why Buckland's is more successful under Prue than it is under Claire. Because unlike the business under Claire, Prue has employees! Yeah. It's... Just I know, but it's so cute. I can't. She's so cute. Okay. It is filled with people doing jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So as she enters the office with Piper and her assistant, her assistant's like, Can I help you? Can I help you, raggedy woman that I've never seen before? And Prue's like, that's my sister. And her assistant's like, oh, the one that's not being burned at the stake currently, which is... I mean, I have to imagine that that assistant was hired for her forthrightness. Yeah. Because she follows that up by telling Prue what an awesome job she did convincing the board that, uh, you know, they can all get bigger paychecks if she has a third of her staff shot in the streets. Oh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have spoken too quickly because she's like, yeah, well... I better, I, I guess I better leave you alone so you can get to all that firing you have to do. And Prue's like, what? And, uh, yeah, so apparently she's an 
awful, awful businesswoman who's, you know, performing the way most businesses tend to perform. Yeah. She's firing people so that uh, she can give herself bonuses. Looking at you, Disney. Well. Well, I mean, just because that thing literally just happened where, you know, they were talking about getting the executives back up to their normal salaries right before they were like, oh yeah, also we have to lay off like 26,000 people. It's a mess. It really is. So this this is just really more fuel for Prue's. I don't have a... Oh, also, Prue asks, as, as the assistant is leaving, Prue asks her, so did my husband call? And the assistant's like, ha ha ha, oh Prue, you know you don't have time for a husband. You know, wi- every woman has to choose between husband and business, and you made the right choice business so you're gonna die alone bye which ugh barf so they pull out the book of shadows and uh oh the return spell is leg on yeah what's weird is if you look at the book of shadows when they're flipping through it Mm -hmm. like all of the pages have kind of a like fake tea stained look to make them look weathered but the page where the spell is supposed to be looks cleaner than the other pages like it was put in there Mm. i'm sure that was i'm sure that was just a prop issue but it is for me evidence of the leo put the spell in versus leo just turned the page to the spell yeah so they're like "Uh oh i guess we're gonna have to go with plan b which is springing phoebe from prison and in fact they see in the book of shadows that they had uh earmarked a bunch of spells so they Clearly, their future selves had been planning this, too, despite what Nathaniel Pratt told Phoebe in prison about her sisters abandoning her. Hmm. Speaking of prison, Leo orbs in, and he's like, hey, Phoebe, and she's like, oh, cool, you're here to orb me out, and he's like, ha, 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 no. He's, oh, God, I hate Leo so much in this episode and in this scene in particular. Yeah, he's talking to her about how... Like, okay, look, you uh, did kill a dude, and look, I brought you a little newspaper clipping about you killing a dude so you could touch it and have a premonition where you see you killing the dude. Otherwise known as a memory. Wait, wait, is this a premonition or is this a premonition? Because from the point of view of the body, it's already happened, but from the point of view of her mind, it has not. I'm just your brain, Phoebe. I can't give you any new information. Anyway, yeah, okay, I, she has, she has the vision, and she sees herself, like, grabbing hold of Cal Green's head, making it explode. Yes, she has energy blasts in the future, and she uses the energy blast to kill Cal, and then she just flies off, and I guess this was on film somewhere. Yeah, it looks like it's, it's like, on a security tape or something, so she got caught. All right, all right. Oh, Leo's like, you have to be executed for your crime, otherwise this witch mania will never die down. Because I'm not sure if y'all are aware, but when a religious zealot takes over and decides to start persecuting women that he calls witches, once the first one is killed, it pretty much dies off after that. Yeah, the logic here is pretty flawed. Like, apparently the only way to save other witches is for Phoebe to be publicly executed, and it's like, it's very clearly not going to stop with that. Well, I mean, that's why they call it, like, the blood calm, right? When you, when you 
kill someone, the lust dies down, and you have the blood calm. <laughs> yeah, Leo orbs away, because yeah, Le- he's a dick in this episode. Leo's like, I just wanted to give you context for what's happening here. Bye! God, um, I, I, I really do hate Leo in this episode. Yeah, he's a real bag of dicks. So, we go back to the manor where, uh, you know, they're, they're still trying to come up with a way to, you know, spring Phoebe, uh, Prue's going through the book, and this is where she discovers, oh, look, we've marked all of these pages, you know, we, we were very clearly setting up a plan to break into the prison and save Phoebe. Although she also has spells to, like, become a business bitch marked. Yeah, it's interesting that in this future, she very clearly used magic to get ahead. Yeah, with apparently no consequences. Or maybe the consequence was never having a husband, because I guess that matters. God. Also, I want to point out that that is not personal gain, that is professional gain. Oh. I like that some of the spells have little baggies attached, because... They, like, gathered the spell components and stuck them in the book. That is very, like, organized of them. I like that. That came up uh, earlier in the, actually, in the other time travel episode. The spell they needed to vanquish, I don't know, Doug the Warlock or whoever was in that episode. Like, it also needed components, and Graham had left a little baggie with those components in it, which is a really neat thing that the show kind of drops later. Like, you still need... You still need uh, components for, like, potions and stuff, but uh, spells basically just become rhyming couplets. Yeah. So, Leo comes back, and the sisters are like, hey, where is Phoebe? And he says, in prison, where she belongs. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you said you were going to spring her. And he said, no, I said I was going to go to her, and I did. I went to her, and I told her that she's bad and that she has to die. He specifically talks about, uh, like, he's their guide and, like, like he, he, he can't, is. He's their white lighter. He can't save them from their, con- he can't save them from the consequences of their own actions. And that if Phoebe doesn't die, it's going to make things worse for everyone. He's basically repeating a speech to Phoebe. If uh, Phoebe doesn't die, then it will have dire consequences for all witches everywhere. And, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I've already pointed out the logistical error in his thinking, so I'm not going to do it again. But, I mean, duh, right? Because, you know, I, I talked about it, but uh, I talked with you when we were watching the episode about how it seems like Piper has the strongest subplot, but it's actually Phoebe, it's just Phoebe's gets less time. But actually, I think Piper does have the strongest plot, because... She pulls a page that she had bookmarked out of the book uh, to bind one's powers. Oh, yes. So we cut back to Phoebe, who is watching TV in her cell of... Well, I mean, the guard is watching TV, so she's just, like, seeing it over his shoulder. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, Johnny Governor face talking about how he's going to burn her, and then he's going to burn all the witches, and all the witches yeah, are going to... Yeah, I'm sorry, I said I wouldn't say it again. He's going to burn her! And then he's gonna burn another, and another, because witches are like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. So, Piper has frozen Leo, and... Good. Yeah. 
And Prue's like, we don't know how long that's going to last. You have to hurry if we're going to get there in time to save Phoebe. And Piper goes up to, I guess it's the babysitter with uh, Melinda in Leo's house, I guess? This is where Leo's living now? Or it's the babysitter's house, possibly. I think it's the babysitter's house. But Piper sees her daughter through the window, and she reads the binding spell. She binds... uh, she well, she's she's thinking about it, mm. but she can't bring herself to do it because she knows how much it she knows how much trouble it caused for her sisters at the end of the day that their powers were bound, and she doesn't want to do that to her own daughter. And she, even, even though she knows that Grams was trying to protect them, which I like that '70s episode, but that was not a good reason to bind their powers, like. One warlock is after, like, one warlock, which Grams wrote a non-Power of Three-based vanquishing spell for. I mean, they had to do something, but yeah, you're right. It was not, that, that, that warlock was not powerful enough to justify binding their powers, but there you are. Holly Marie Combs is acting the crap out of this scene. She's talking to Leo about... Yeah, Leo orbs in. Yeah, Freeze did not last. Leo's like... You don't need to do this. I'll protect her. We talked about this. I'll keep her safe no matter what. And she's like, what happened in our marriage? I want to know what happened that we both can't be there for our daughter. Well, he says, I think this, I think this is interesting. The, the show doesn't focus on this, but she's like, we got together. Does that mean you clipped your wings for me that you stopped being a white lighter? And he says, no, I tried to do it all. And it's like, ah, I see. I mean, I, I, Tina, am seeing. The problem is Leo was unwilling to make sacrifices in their relationship. Not that he should have to stop being a white lighter, but clearly the problem is that Leo never gave anything to the relationship. Well, he talks about how he was willing to clip his wings, but Piper wouldn't let him because, like she said in the episode where they were talking, where they were defining their relationship, his root, like, his role in the universe is too important for him to walk away from it. And she's like, yeah, I I couldn't do that. I couldn't take the good you give to the world away from it just because I needed you. And he's like, yeah, and we just, we never had time. We never had time for each other. We did our best to make it work, but you had your duties and I had my duties. And with those two things together, we just couldn't make it work. And Pike, well, I mean that's what yeah, that's why their relationship is not going to work out. Like, yeah. And Piper talks about how she's from the like she's like I'm not your Piper, I'm very much not your Piper, but she is still my daughter, and I I need to protect her. She goes away. I. I honestly remembered her binding her daughter's powers, but I guess she didn't. No, because that's, even though she's, even though Leo is the worst in this episode, at the end of the day, she trusts Leo to keep her daughter safe. Mm. So, And I think that is powerful, even though maybe I wouldn't have that kind of trust after the day I would have had with Leo. But, you know, still good. And then Prue just craps all over that moment. (laughs) Because, you know, Piper's like, I couldn't do it. And Prue's like, I understand. I don't even have anyone to love. 
I, I, I give up everything to be a business person and, you know, well, the, my, my drama's clearly on the same level as yours. I don't have a husband. And Piper's like, really? Well, also they have to go save their sister. Yeah. And Piper t- Piper's like, look, this future is not written in stone. Like, Your, your future is what you make it, as we, Doc Brown would say. Yeah, we literally, we have ten years to... We have ten years to change things, but right now we have, like, five minutes to go save Phoebe. So, they show up at the Supermax prison where Phoebe's being, you know, held. They do the spell to create a door, which, it's like a real basic witch thing where they, like, draw a door with uh, chalk and then, you know, say some stuff and... They just push open the place where the chalk was. And they they knock. Yeah, it's it's, it's a... actually the spell from Beetlejuice to make a door to the uh, to the underworld. Yeah. So Phoebe is being taken away by the stormtroopers. Well, the suit. Well, I guess I guess it make, would make sense that the guards in this prison would be super heavily armed since it's a prison for witches. I, I was talking more. They have kind of SS uniforms. Oh yeah, they. Yeah. So more classic stormtroopers, uh, not Star Wars stormtroopers, but yeah. the uh, Piper and Prue pretty easily make it through the you know place because they can freeze time. So eh. right, well they'd already convinced everyone they weren't witches. Which <laughs> who believed that? Seriously, but Phoebe is being brought to the burning alive chamber, and. I know they definitely did makeup to make it look like Alyssa Milano isn't wearing makeup, but... They did makeup to make it look like she has heavy bags under her eyes. It it looks... It looks gruesome. It, it works. Yeah. It looks... It looks really good. So... Phoebe is being strapped into this, like... God, I don't even know what you would call it. This, like, standing... A fire. Well, Yeah. But it's like, it's like metal so that they can reuse it for the next witch. Yeah, it's a gas-powered pyre. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Governor Jackass comes to, you know, ha ha, you're going to be burned to death. And uh, Phoebe's like, I'm going to pay for my crimes, but the time will come where you have to pay for yours. And he's like, still showing no remorse, even that's, at the time. Like, that's literally remorse. Yeah. She's like, she literally said, I'm about to pay for my crimes. Like. To emphasize the thing about Nathaniel Pratt being a religious leader, even though religion is never mentioned, he says that this witch is going to burn as all things that are against human nature will burn. That's why I was kind of reading a queer subtext into Phoebe's future story. which I it, mean, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Which, to be fair, is very easy to do because you can read queer subtext into basically anything if you try hard enough. Well, but... I mean, when you're talking about witch hunts, it becomes very easy. And especially the whole, you know, things that are against nature, you know. Yeah. There's a way that religious people talk about gay people that gets applied to. There's a reason their gay witch trope is definitely a thing in this period of time. So they go to rescue Phoebe and she, so Piper and Prue burst in, they freeze time, they go to rescue Phoebe and Phoebe insists, wait, no, you have to let me burn. Yeah, she talks about how... In this time, even though she's past her, in this timeline, she did kill someone and she needs to pay for that. She knows why they're here now. They're here to understand that their actions have consequences. 
and that magic isn't just for doing whatever you want, and that she needs to... This is a lesson she needs to learn. And, okay, so not to take a huge diversion into massive nerd territory... Oh, please do! Uh, you didn't read House of X, Powers of X, did you? I did not read House of X, Powers of X. Is that the one where Wanda takes everyone's powers away? Uh, no, that, that Oh, that's was, House of M. Yeah. So, House of X, Power of X was... Oh, Hoxpox! Hoxpox, yes. No, the new one! I have... The new one, I have not read that yet. Okay, so I think it's House of X. The whole conceit is setting up Jonathan Hickman's new direction for the X line. And it gets revealed that Moira McTaggart is a mutant. Okay, sure, sure. And her power is basically rebirth. Like, when she dies, she experiences her life all over again from birth. That's awesome. And... In every, like, she realizes that in every timeline, mutants get wiped out by something. And, you know, each each timeline is her trying to do things to stop whatever happens to wipe out mutants. And in one of them, she, uh, she finds a cure for mutation. Uh, and it was just, she's like, oh, we can just use this for people whose powers actively hurt them. You know, they're... Like Rogue. Yeah, like this This is just going to be to make things easier for, you know, this is just going to be to make things easier for mutants. and. Also, a cure for mutation would probably cure cancer, yes. which is a negative mutation. Yes. But the Brotherhood show up and, uh, you know, destroy everything, and Destiny talks to her, and Destiny's like, look, you know my deal, I can see the future, or... You, the reader, know my deal. I can see the future. I understand what's going on with you and your powers. And the things you have done in this timeline are going to lead to mutants being wiped out. Your discovery, you may have had good intentions, but it's going to get us all killed. That makes sense. Sure. You, uh, and she tells her, look, you have 12 chances to get this right. You're on, like, chance two, I think, now. Uh, you have 12 chances to get this right. Um, before you die, before your mutation manifests. Oh, interesting. In your, yeah. Okay. In your 12th lifetime. So, I want you to understand that you can't do this. This path will not work. And so you don't try it again, I'm going to have Pyro burn you alive, slowly, so you're not tempted to ever try this again. That's fucked up. Yeah. It's really messed up, but, you know, it, it just really reminded me of this scene. That's literally exactly what they're doing right now. Like, okay, so... Because she's like, this is... Because she's like, this is a lesson that you need to learn. That in every lifetime, your actions have consequences for everyone else. Even though you can die and not experience those consequences, everyone else will suffer for your mistakes so this is a lesson you need to learn and then she has her burned to death which is probably why uh destiny is not getting resurrected in the current uh <laughs> status quo because i can't imagine moira's thrilled with her i mean it's a little extra destiny and so that is what's happening uh i mean destiny's by her nature a little bit extra i i don't I mean, think all mutants are i don't think you can be married to mystique without being a little bit extra fair 
so yeah so phoebe gets burned to death yeah and and she will tell us she feels it all she feels herself being burned to death honestly it's kind of hard to watch like at first she's like you know peacefully resigning herself to you know to the flames and then she starts screaming and screaming and it is it is brutal and her death you know triggers them going back in time you back to their original bodies so yeah they show back they show up back in the manor they orb they orb back to the manor i mean it's the time travel thing it's not it's not the orb thing yeah but the time travel effect is the orb effect that's what i'm saying it's it's not it's not it's not it's the it's bigger it's bigger white lights instead of the smaller blue lights it's slightly different from the orb effect it's close enough to the orb effect that i feel comfortable using it as evidence that the spell was placed there and not simply turned to okay so uh phoebe has you know not been burned to death in their current timeline but she tells them that you know she felt that she can remember what it felt like to die from being burned to death which wasn't that not so much a thing like witches weren't burned like in america witches were not burned they were pressed to death that is correct yeah and And, and most were most were hung yeah i i thought i read a thing about even in europe they broke their necks and then burned the bodies yeah you're right in europe they sorry in europe they were mostly pressed to death in america they were mostly hung yes burning was not a thing it was not a common thing but but we know that this show this whole show takes place in an alternate timeline where salem witches were burned because we know melinda ward was burned yes exactly which i guess makes sense given the prevalence of demons and you know demons probably were all trying to get people to burn witches that's true if you have fire powers then everything looks like a match <laughs> so the girls realize where they are they're right when phoebe right before phoebe got her vision mm-hmm. they see the news report and the thing is they they just stop after that right like they never follow up on the fact that cal green is gonna kill a bunch of people i mean i have to assume that the woman he brutalized and murdered wasn't the only one Mm. like it gets followed up on the comics apparently okay yeah i'm just saying they're like well we learned our lesson guess we better let this white athlete literally get away with murder I mean, Phoebe did get burned to death for trying to interfere. I feel like the lesson is the elders will punish you for stepping out of line for this sort of thing. That is the lesson! That's what I'm taking umbrage at! So, they have a, I learned a lot this week, kind of decompressing thing. Ah, but did they? Well, they go to, you know... Prue goes to the window to telekinetically move the dog poop onto the guy's shoe, but Phoebe's like, no, this is the lesson that we needed to learn, that we can't use our powers, you know, to enact petty revenge because it's a slippery slope to big-time revenge, which is something that flies right out the window later in the show when Piper is casually turning anyone who minorly honks her off into barnyard animals. And, like, yeah, later in the show, this, this, this just... Yeah, later in the show, this is basically massively disregarded by everyone, and everyone just uses magic to do whatever they want, including just huge amounts of petty revenge. Yeah, so they decide not to dog 
poop shoe this guy. And then they realize, oh my gosh, it's Nathaniel Pratt. And when we did that before and he saw us, that's what put him on the path to religious zealotry and misogyny. Because that's how that works. Yeah, and he wasn't just looking for an excuse. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's so cute. He wasn't just looking for an excuse to burn women. It was our fault. We made him do it. Yeah. And uh, Phoebe's like, I guess we learned our lesson about not putting dog poop on people's shoes. And Prue's like, but we're going to keep an eye on him, right? And Phoebe's like, of course we are. Spoiler alert, nope. I was thinking more, it's like, I guess we learned our lesson about not making men angry. Ugh. Yeah, I'm telling you, this episode watches different in 2020. So Leo comes to the door, and Piper's like, (laughs) Piper makes out with him super hardcore, and he's like, wow, I, I, I wasn't expecting this good a reaction to telling you that I have to cancel our date because someone's murdering someone somewhere else, and I need to stop that from happening. And Piper's like, well, I just went to the future, and, uh, things don't work out well for us, so I thought I'd better bone down right now while I can, while the boning's good. And Leo's like, oh yeah, the elders did tell me to put a, you know, to flip to slash put a spell in the book for you guys to travel forward in time. Am I not doing that now? He said, the elders told me that you three learned a valuable lesson. Oh, jeez. The elders can go fuck themselves. The elders uh, taught you a valuable lesson, and that makes you a superstar. What is that? Gem and the Holograms. Oh, the, you know, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, the more you know from the, Gem and the Holograms. Yeah. I wanted to go with a slightly more obscure, the more you know. Uh, you know, because girls need to know stuff, too. They need to, they need Gem to pop out of a garbage can and tell them, don't lick uh, downed power lines. That was a reference to the Gem Gem, which you should watch if you were, I was going to say if you were interested in Gem, but I'm not particularly interested in Gem and I enjoyed the Gem Gem, so. I feel like I learned a lot from 80s cartoons about downed power lines. I feel like I never hear, maybe it's just because I don't watch children's media anymore, but I feel like I never hear anyone talk about downed power lines anymore, and it was a huge thing when I was growing up. Well, to be fair, downed power lines were an issue, because, uh, oh, well, you know where I lived, there were, uh, tornadoes old. Yeah, hurricanes yeah. and tornadoes that were knocking down downed power lines. It's not like, uh, quicksand, which has never been an issue. Yes. God, children's media really, inf- really emphasized the dangers of quicksand. But, uh, as of yet has not been an issue. So, I believe that this will bring us to, you know, our own personal powers of three. So, Although, I think it's just two this week. Yeah, because as I access my power of premonition, I don't think any actor, like, this wasn't a big episode for guest people at all. There's, like, the dog, sh- the dog poop shoe guy and Piper's future daughter and that lady who screamed... Witch. Yeah, nobody, nobody stood out to me, so I, I, I have nothing for this for this segment this week. Yes, no one was famous in the past, present, or future from this episode that we know of. I mean, maybe, we... maybe you'll watch it and be like, "Wait, you guys totally missed." And if we missed something, like, tell me. Yeah, that background extra grew up to be Tom Bergeron. I mean, 
Maybe. So we'll move to the second power in our pack, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode for you? Uh, I mean, it, it's much more of a holistic thing than it usually is, because usually it's like, oh, look, an answering machine. But for me, it's just really, oh, hey, we're living at the end of history. Like, if this guy never finds out we're a witch, none of this stuff will ever happen. And also, we don't have, like, a rampant problem with witch hunts. Okay, my thing was, I really don't like that they did real world the moon, because my thing was a real world reference, which I know the real world is still going to this day, but I don't know, something really specific seemed to do, and it seemed like it was supposed to be a joke, like Jaws 5 or whatever, which ended up, I guess they didn't get to 5, did they? They just got to 4, or Jaws 8 or whatever from Back to the Future. No, 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 that was Jaws 3, 3D. I'm pretty sure they did get uh, they did get a number of Jaws movies, but yeah, yeah, I. You're right. A real world reference, even though the show continued, is a very '90s thing. Like I know they they reference real world Seattle in Ten Things I Hate About You, which is a very 1990s movie. I love it. Yeah, I love it, but it's super 1990s. Yeah, and. It just bothers me that they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a reality show on the moon in 10 years. It's like, really? Really? Like, do you know how long 10 years is? It's not that long. Like, yeah. But honestly, I feel like they did a surprisingly good job of capturing 2009 from 1999. They're like, look, television screens are going to get thinner just as a general thing. They didn't get the whole hanging them on walls thing that everyone ended up doing, but. Cars are going to get a little smoother, less boxy. Yeah. And they're going to go more for black and white, smooth, like, designs. Like, you know, Supermax prisons are going to be a thing. I guess Supermax prisons were already being a thing Oof. in the 90s, but we, we don't need to get into the... <laughs> but I, I feel... I was like, wow, they... I mean, this is very clearly a 1999 future, but it's... Yeah, it's... It's pretty on the... On funny, the, I didn't think about it, but for the most part, they kind of hit 2009. Yeah, I mean... I, yeah. I'd say the biggest thing that, uh, other than the Big Brother reference, uh, the biggest thing was that they're all watching local news, which... Yeah, I feel like nobody's watching local news anymore in 2009. But that will take us to our last (gasps) segment. Yes, telekinesis. What genuinely moved you in this episode? If anything, which I have something. You look like you've got something to say. No, 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 I, I actually don't. Um... I, I feel like the scene where Piper wants to freeze her daughter's powers but can't should have moved me. Like, in another episode, it would have moved me. But Leo was so terrible that I I couldn't I, I couldn't allow myself to be moved by Leo this week. Yeah, I mentioned when we were talking about it that Brian Krause does not do great when he's put up directly against Holly Marie Combs, and nowhere is that more evident than in this scene because... <laughs> Because she is doing fantastic work there. Like, she's doing all the work. I know we've mentioned it before, but like, she can bring the emotion when she wants to. And she's a great actress. And I was genuinely, I was genuinely invested. I honestly remembered her binding her daughter's powers, which I guess she didn't. And the fact that this version of her, even knowing everything that went down between them 
still believes that Leo is going to protect their daughter, even without her. And the fact that she has this attachment to... I, I don't know. I, I think she did a really good job conveying a weird set of emotions mm-hmm. and bringing an odd amount of realism to a very unrealistic situation. Which, I mean, is a talent you need to be on this show. Yes, which she will not be exercising a ton later, but... Oh. So I guess that's going to do it for this week? Yeah, that should about do it for this week. So the next episode we're doing is The Painted World. <laughs> when Prue finds some mysterious words on an unusual painting at the auction house, she winds up trapped in the magical world inside the painting with a man who has been imprisoned there for decades. Meanwhile, after damaging Prue's car, Phoebe casts a smart spell in hopes to land in hopes of landing a high-paying job to pay for the repairs. So, smart spell. Really, really couldn't have phrased that differently. Okay, so why don't people get trapped in paintings anymore? That used to be a... Ma- Speaking of things that used to be major concerns, I, I feel like I used to hear a lot more about people getting trapped in paintings. Well, I have great news for you because we have a Farscape episode coming up where they get trapped in a painting. God. All right, so... I believe we have some uh, people to thank. Yeah, so our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. Uh, If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at ILoveTVZines on Twitter, or at ILoveTelevisionZines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. Manor.